Welcome to the post-combine edition of Unexpected Points. I'm going to go over all the results, tell you what my modeling says about the player's real value shifts based upon this, or draft position shifts that we should maybe fade. Also get into what the implications may be for fantasy and real football. That and some little storylines throughout the week here on Unexpected Points. Hello, hello, hello. Uh, gonna do the little post-combine thing here. For those of you who listened in last week, I went over some research that I had done based upon thousands of historical prospects going back to 2006, uh, married that up with our wins above replacement calculation that we have for all the players to gauge their real NFL value along with draft positions and put all that together to try to get an idea of how each combine drill for a specific position has an effect on, again, real value and draft position value. So now that we had all that, all that research has been done, all that modeling has been done, what we do now with our results for the 2022 class is feed the new information in and try to see what it tells us about these guys. And it's not only going to be like who's going to be more valuable or not, because for certain positions, there's a decent amount we can learn from the combine um, as far as their athleticism because of how translatable that will be or not to the NFL game. But for other positions, even if I say someone has a 98th percentile war combine score, let's say, versus a 30th percentile war combine score, the honest reality is that the best we can really say about these prospects is one is viewed as being somewhat above average than you'd hope for for a random prospect going into the combine, and the other one is somewhat below average. Not at these sorts of extremes, even when you're at extremes of the percentiles. But I'll get more into all that, and if you want to see the research where I have, again, the the charts that will help explain the attribute amounts for every single drill, for every single position, and then also have a table for all the 22, 22 prospects, an offensive article and a defensive article where it goes through. It has all their times color-coded by the conditional formatting as to what's better or not. It has their percentiles for their projections. And uh, for players where you don't have everything and don't have enough to make a projection, and I'm gonna t- that's an important point about this particular class because of the drills that were being skipped. Uh, For those, it will just have NA for the projections, but it'll have all the information there for the drills that they did participate in for the measurements that we do have. So at least you can line those up side by side to the others. And if you want to get that information, I'll just quickly say up front, promo code unexpected 25% off PFF. Not only have that stuff uh, coming out today and tomorrow, today being Monday, the offensive positions came out tomorrow being Tuesday. Those defensive positions will come out, but I'm going to refresh the fantasy uh, rookie projections and models that I have based upon combine information and then continue with lots and lots and lots of draft and free agency related content in the next few months. Once again, 25% off any PFF subscription, promo code unexpected. 
All right, let's get into the results. I'm going to start on the offensive side of the ball. Start with quarterback. Now, if you read the article last week for quarterback, you saw that there wasn't a lot that drives the value portion of quarterbacks versus the draft position. The draft position is a big attachment to height and weight in draft position that isn't really there for war value. So if teams are going to take a shot on someone, they're more likely just to take a shot on a bigger, taller quarterback at some certain point in the draft, even if that's not translating through to to value. The attributes that we did see that show some value are the three cone in the shuttle, so the agility drills, a little bit in the 40-yard dash, not much in the 10-yard split, but the 10-yard split's going to be big for some other positions, a little bit in the broad jump, and a decent amount in hand size. Hand size has some importance, not a lot of importance, but it has some importance. So like a lot of these things, we want to talk about everything in a binary. We want to say either Kenny Pickett's hand size matters or doesn't matters, you know, for everything or doesn't matter at all. Well, the reality is it does matter some. Eight and a half inch hands are not the same as having 10 inch hands. And the vertical doesn't really have a correlation for quarterback performance. So the the quote-unquote winner of the group here, and I'm only going to look at guys who did the three-cone in the shuttle. We got a decent amount of three-cones in shuttles here in broad and vertical from, from these guys. So while I'm missing some of the quarterbacks, a lot of them didn't run anything. So I wasn't going to have a chance to put them in no matter what happened. Malik Willis, Carson Strong, Sam Howell, Matt Corral, they didn't run at all. We got their measurements, nothing to think about that much with them. What I think is interesting, though, in terms of measurements is that Corral in particular, he was a scrambler type in college, or at least he ran the ball a decent amount in college, but he doesn't necessarily profile as that on the next level because we think of him as being somewhat smaller. Now he weighed in at 212. He hasn't been throwing because of some injuries. Who knows how accurate or not that is, but if you think that he weighed in at 212, versus Howell and Malik Willis at 218 and 219. And Willis in particular is probably seen as being a lot bigger than Corral, even though Corral was an inch taller than Willis. I think it maybe gives me a little bit more confidence about Corral and his ability to continue to, you know, not only scramble at times and be opportunistic there, but maybe run a little bit on the next level because he has that trait along with Willis uh, more so than some of the other quarterbacks. Howell has a trait too, but he, he, he takes a few too many sacks and I'll be talking about that in the upcoming time. Um, so the, those are the top guys. Kenny Pickett did run. He did the broad and the vertical, which he got decent numbers in those 121 in the broads. So that's 10, 10 feet, one inch, uh, four, seven, three in the 40. So that's not too, too bad at 217 pounds. But again, the eight and a half inch hands is what's going to stand out. Um, a guy that I was, that I'll, maybe I'll start to fade a little bit here that I was thinking could be a, a bit of a sleeper is Skylar Thompson. Now he's, he's old dude. He's uh, been five years. I think they're at college, maybe it's six years. Um, but he only had eight and five eights hands. So on the small side too, almost as small as Pickett, he ran a four nine forty at 217 pounds. I was really hoping that he was going to be a guy who could produce some ground value on the next level. So not so hot. 31 inch vertical is pretty low. 112 broad jump is pretty low. Well, it's not high at least. 
but he did have a seven in the three cone, which isn't bad. So Thompson, maybe I'm a little bit concerned about him. Let's get to Ritter because he was the quote unquote winner and mostly based upon his explosion drills, which I call, that's what I call the broad and the vertical and his speed drills or the 40 yard dash and the, and the 10. Um, but overall he's number one, but even as his percentile projection, if you look versus all the quarterbacks in our database, even then he's, you know, very nice 69th percentile. So not extremely high. We're going to look at a lot of these other positions. We have guys that are in the nineties, well into the nineties, well into 95, sometimes the hundredth percentile, sometimes the best score at their position. So Ritter's not close to that, but it's good. The thing that holds him down are the agility drills. So he had a, th- he had a seven. 0.15 in the three cone and a 429 in the shuttle. The shuttle is pretty close to what you would expect it based upon his weight of 211, but he has a lower weight at 211. So the three cone you would have expected to be, you know, 710 or faster, and it wasn't. So that's going to drag down his score a bit here because the 452 in the 40 is fast. Uh, the 10 is not great at four, uh, 159 versus the 40, but still, that's fast. Uh, 10 feet, seven inches in the broad jump is good, and then 36 in the vertical is good. So I think Ritter. Checked a lot of boxes, but the thing is he wasn't much of a scrambler in college. So I think there's a, I think that sometimes can be more of an indication of what someone's going to do in the pros than even looking at these athletic testing, because you'll see a lot of times during the combine, like Patrick Mahomes would come up, you know, he ran in the four eights. He wasn't particularly fast. He wouldn't have great scores in any of this, but he was someone who scrambled opportunistically in college. And he showed that it's some of it is instinctual versus just these athletic traits, much more so for quarterbacks and when you're going to go. So that's one reason, because we didn't see it from Ritter enough in college that I might fade it a tiny bit from his results. Okay, let's move on to running back. Now, running backs were awesome. Um, Again, I do not have the three cone and the shuttle in here for this group. And you're going to hear this again and again as I go through, because literally zero running backs participated in those drills at the combine. So you're not going to see it in my numbers here on the, uh, on the write-up too, because it's, it's not there. But what you will see is when you look at the effect sizes of these different attributes, it's, it's intense for running backs versus other positions. If you look at draft position, how much it is affected by the 40 yard dash, I have what I call an attribute effect. And that means the kind of percentile differences based upon one standard uh, deviation above average, what you'd expect on there. So for the 40, it's about a 14% effect. Whereas, let me just look at quarterbacks, which we just did. It is under 3%. So that shows you how much hugely, hugely important it is. Now, it's important for our war projection too, our real player value projection, but it's more like 4% as opposed to 14% in the draft. And the broad jump is more like 2-3% versus 7%. In the draft, the vertical does not have much of an impact. I don't think that means you should necessarily fade the drill. It's just been that extremely successful running backs like Dalvin Cook's a, a good example. You know, he jumped under 30 inches and it doesn't seem to have affected him much at all in the event. Weight matters a little bit, but the 10 yard dash time here is very close. The 10 yard split versus the 40, very, very close here, whereas the draft is much, much more concerned about. Um, about the 40 results, but real football value uh, looking a little bit more at the 10. Okay, so let's start with some of the bigger names here. 
Brees Hall, one of the winners of the Combine. He comes in at a little bit over 97th percentile for war uh, projection and 99.6 percentile for draft. So he's definitely not going to be faded in the draft on this. You're definitely not going to find value necessarily there. He was the fourth highest score for any draft improvement that we've seen from the Combine. At 217, he ran a 439. He had, again, the 40-inch vertical jump. He had 10-foot, uh, 6-inch broad jump. He had it all going on there. We don't have the agility drills, but honestly, the agility drills, they, they matter for war because they're more associated with receiving backs. But it, hopefully we can get those from the pro day, but I don't think it's going to make a huge difference in what ends up happening for his projection. The other top running back who participated here was Kenneth Walker. He had a slightly higher uh, projection for his real football value, his war value, and that's because he was one one hundredth of a second faster, although at a lower weight, but more so he was five one hundredths of a second faster on the 10 yard split. So that gave him a bit of a bump there. And that was important for his projection. He didn't project nearly as well in the vertical, but again, the vertical does not move things for us too much. Uh, two sleeperish sort of guys that came in here. Zamir White had the highest war percentile score, ran a 4-4 at 214 pounds, a 1-5 10-yard split. Uh, both excellent and a 128 on the broad jump. Very, very good. He was splitting time with James Cook, Dalvin Cook's brother, who was getting a little bit more hype. And James Cook did weigh in at 199, which I thought was pretty good. He ran a very respectable 442. He had a 124-inch broad jump. He looked pretty good. Um, but maybe White is someone who's also you know a little bit under the radar as someone who was part of a time uh, share in college. And the other guy is Pierre Strong Jr. Now He's a name that had one of the top combines here. You're not going to have heard a lot about him because of the fact that he played for South Dakota State. But, you know, he was a very productive back. He's someone I'm going to have to look into a bit more here. He's on the older side. He redshirted in 2017 and then came on the next two years. And, you know, he had something like 707 rushing yards in nine games, which is not fantastical by any stretch of the imagination, but he did put up some production there. I have to look into it a little bit more with him. I'm not super impressed by him, but at least he is getting on the radar at this point because of the fact that he had the 437 40-yard dash at 207 pounds. Uh, but a lot of people are going to be looking at him here. The guys, uh, if we're talking about losers in the combine, there were tiers in pre- combine mock drafts where you had uh, Isaiah Spiller who did not run um he did not he only did the he, he did the broad and which was uh 114 inches so what is that uh 10 uh, I mean nine foot six inches not not so hot and then he had a 30 inch vertical so again not hot he did not run presumably because he was not going to run that well he will at his pro day weighed into 217 that's fine but Spiller falls a little bit uh, based upon at least the early indication of what he did here vis-a-vis -vis the other top backs. The two that were in the next tier, after Spiller and Walker and Brees Hall in that top tier, the two in the next tier were Kyron Williams and Damian Pierce. And Williams had the worst scores for war and for draft of anyone who ran the 40s, who ran the, the speed and did the explosion drills. He only weighed in at 194. He had a 4.6540. He had, again, a 10 
I'm sorry, he had 10 foot, eight inch. I mean, sorry, nine foot, eight inch um, broad jump, which is not too hot. And then a 32 in the vertical. So he was the worst there because at 194 pounds at four, six, five, it's not looking so hot. It's okay to run a four, six, five. Uh, some guys have run some pretty high times like Kareem Hunt and others, but you better make sure you're well over 200 pounds. If you're going to be doing something like that, uh, Damian Pierce, he was okay for his war, uh, projection at 73%, but then his draft position projection was only in the 30th percentile. And that's because again, 459, which at 218 pounds is not that bad, but a little bit light there. So that's why his draft position is going to take a little bit of a hit there, but not nearly as much as Williams. And I'm just not sure where Williams is going to show up now. He was seen as being a good, you know, pass receiving type of back. We don't have the agility drills. Maybe he would have just torn those apart and that's a possibility there. Uh, but we're going to have to see a lot more for him going forward. But those are really the big name ones. But again, I have lots of different projections on here. There are tons of guys who scored in the 90th percentile for draft and for war. Other names that you know pique your interest a bit here amongst a running back group that was seen as being weak, but performed fairly well here at the Combine. Okay, let's go to wide receivers. A lot, a lot of hype for wide receivers. Not as much actual proof in the pudding that you're going to get from the combine results, especially in the 40 yard dash. Now the attribute effect here for the 40 is 6%. So not nearly like the 12, 13% we're seeing for running backs, but significant here. Yet the 40 isn't correlated with war actual NFL value at all. The 10 is a bit, but it has less of a draft value correlation. Looking at the rest of the drills and the measurements, hand size comes in number one, uh, second arm length, then the 10-yard dash and the vertical are next. So not necessarily the ones that people concentrate on, but those are being seen as being some of the most important ones. And for that reason, the wide receiver one, at least in mock drafts so far, in a tight grouping with others, has been trailing Burks, and people were disappointed by his, his effort here at the Combine. The thing is, while some of these were just reaffirming things we knew, like he has big hands, he's tall, he has a large wingspan. It was maybe giving a little bit more color to say he had the 9.9 inch hands. He had the 33 and a half inch arm length, which is very high. Uh, there's only a couple of guys with longer arms there. And doing all of this at six foot two, 225, so very compact, strong frame. That's something that moves up his war projection high enough. So he was actually third overall in this class of the receivers who did enough testing to qualify. And most people would not have thought that because he ran the four, five, five, 40. He had the 33 inch vertical and he had the 7.28 three cone. Now the three cone is not part of these projections because not enough guys ran it. But even so, when I had three cone in these projections, for older prospects, it did not show to matter much. Not only are, do we have guys like DK Metcalf, where it hasn't mattered much, we had even smaller guys like Stephon Diggs, um, Jamison Crowder, uh, Deontay Johnson, who ran poor weight-adjusted times in these events, and it didn't matter. They've still been productive in the NFL so far. So even though, um, even though Traylon Burks had a poor three cone time, I would not put much stock into that at all or care about it that much at all. He probably would have done himself a favor if he just didn't run 
if he just didn't run those like many people have chosen in the past. I mean, all the way going back even to Calvin Johnson, you know, he, he chose not to run these probably because he wasn't going to do that well. He was about 2.8 inches less on the vertical than you would have hoped for at 33 inches. So that's something significant, but it, you, we can get over it. His broad was right in line with what you would have expected. Now, his 40 was a couple tenths of a second slower than what you would have expected based upon 225 pounds, much slower than what you would have expected because of his reputation. But his 10-yard split was five tenths of a five hundredths of a second faster than you would have expected at 154. And I think that's going to be the ignored thing. I heard a lot of people saying that they were more concerned what they called the flying 20 for Burks and how fast he was going once he's 20 yards down the field. I don't get that. Because you're just not going to use it that much. I mean, if you're 225 pounds, they're trailing Burks. If you can beat someone immediately off of the line and you can stack them, I don't think you need to worry about the additional degree of separation you're going to be getting 20 or 30 yards down the field as opposed to the initial separation you're going to get. That one five four ten 10-yard split that he has, if you look at historical receivers who have ran that amount, their median, uh, their average time on the on the 40 yard dash is 442 or 443 right between 442 and 443 so he ran a 455 so, but his 10 yard split was pretty good was like a 44 type of guy so because of that i feel a sense of relief here for burks while others are probably saying you should fade him somewhat based upon this combine performance uh the top two guys in how actual player war value for um the wide receiver group are Sky Moore and Christian Watson. So Sky Moore is a PFF favorite in our um, big board. He is 30th ranked player in our big board, much higher than what you would expect based upon what's going on in mock drafts right here. He ran a 4-4-1 at 195 pounds. He had a 1-4-6 in the 10, so very, very fast there. Uh, 125 broad, 34 and a half vertical. Uh, just good across the board there. Next is Watson. And Watson, you could say, maybe even had a better performance here. He is a little bit wiry, though, at seven, I'm sorry, at um, six foot four inches, over six foot four and 208 pounds. Uh, these guys both had big hands, both of them over 10 inch hands for Moore and Watson. Watson, again, one four six in the ten, even a better forty at one three six, but that doesn't matter as much for our projections. One thirty six on his broad jump, so that's a that's a big jumper. That's a that's a big big jump over eleven feet there, and then a thirty eight and a half in the vertical. So those are two names that are going to be moving up the most, I think, based upon what happened here. And if you look at how much their war percentile moved versus their draft percentile. You know, Sky Moore is probably the guy who won't necessarily be overvalued after this. Watson has potential to be overvalued after this. The other guys who are the big names, Garrett Wilson performed very well. He's in the high 80s for his war and his draft percentile. If we go down to Olave, not quite as good uh, because at 187, and only 31 inches on his wingspan. It wasn't quite as good as you would have hoped here. But still, he's in the 75th percentile for how much it's going to affect his draft status. The guys who are the losers, the biggest loser, mm, I know we could pick through a couple of people here. Wandale Robinson is probably the biggest loser. He was a guy who looked great by production metrics. He had over 40% of his team's receiving yards in his final season. But He's just tiny. I mean, we knew he was tiny, but he's going to be really, really tiny. 178, his uh, arm length, 27.6, which is one of the lowest numbers you'll ever see in the NFL. 
And then his 4-4-4-40 isn't awful, but at 178 pounds, it looks bad. And then the 1-5-9 10-yard split looks really bad at that sort of weight. Uh, under 10 feet on his broad jump, okay, 34 and a half on his vertical. So he's probably the biggest faller in here. Now let's talk about overvalued, undervalued. The most overvalued guy coming out of this, I think, is going to be Calvin Austin. He ran the 4-3-2 at 170 pounds. But again, the 40 just doesn't matter that much for us. And he had shorter arms, smaller size. His 10-yard split wasn't as good. So he had a good projection by his war percentile, up around 70th percentile. But his draft... Uh, the amount, the amount that his draft position is going to move is close to 100th percentile. So he's probably going to be overvalued after this. Same, but to a lesser degree, is Kevin Austin, who ran a 4.43 at 200 pounds. Um, but you know, again, not quite to that degree. I would say Kevin Austin would be my pick for the guy who's going to be overvalued coming out of this as a potential speedster who did not have the type of production to really say that he can translate the 4.32 speed that we saw in this in the drill in the combine to the field and be that productive. All right, before we get to the rest of the offensive positions, let's talk about fantasy football in all 22. So our friends at all 22 are unveiling the newest fantasy football game that has hundreds of PFF employees, including myself, have been playing. It uses weekly PFF grades as one of its main scoring components and tests your ability to build a full 53-man roster, offensive line included. If you've ever dreamt of sitting in an NFL front office, if you enjoy the scouting process, you'll want to check out All22. Join the wait list on all22.com with nothing more than your email. If you join the wait list before the NFL draft, you receive a special promo code for all your All22 subscription and waitlist users will even gain access to premium content like the inaugural draft guides, in-season strategies, future release announcements, and more. Be sure to follow at all22 underscore PFF on Twitter. All22, less fantasy, more football. Okay, we got uh, tight ends here. Not the most exciting tight end class. Unfortunately, we didn't. We had some tight ends who did not participate in everything here. The best p- tight end score here we have is from Austin Allen, which is a little bit surprising because he ran a four eight three. But the forty yard time doesn't matter nearly as much as the ten and the three cone for for, for this here. And I brought those into my projections because we did have a you know a decent number of guys actually run it here. So Allen only had. Again, the 43840, but he ran a seven flat three cone at 253 pounds. Seven flat three cone at 253 pounds. If I look up here, let me try to get what the weight adjustment will be amongst tight ends on here. So if I look up those numbers on here and I say, what would we have been expecting from uh, Austin Allen? So his at 253 pounds. His expectation for the three cone was 7.15. So he ran it in 15 hundredths of a second better than you would expect it. His 10, his 10 yard split at 1.62 was about five hundredths of a second better than you would expect it. And his vertical was slightly higher than expected. And his, his shuttle was eight hundredths of a second faster than you would have expected. So again, not great numbers, but you want to concentrate a lot more on things outside of the 40 here for a big boy like we have for Alan Austin. Uh, the rest of the names here are not that important. Greg Dulcich was someone they talked about a lot here, about 50th percentile in his projections. We got an okay combine here. He ran a 4.7 at 243 pounds, which is okay. His 7.05 three cone is decent. His shuttle, though, at 4.37 was not so hot. 
So the guys that we did not see much of, uh, enough of to get a score from, but were maybe the risers of the combine. I don't have scores here for Jelani Woods because he didn't participate in any of the explosion or agility drills, but he ran a 4.61 at 269 pounds. He's going to be getting a lot of hype out of this 34-inch arms. So people are going to like him a lot going here, but there's not a ton in this class. Uh, Trey McBride, we did not get anything. We did not get the speed drills from him. We got a... Uh, we got the broad jump, which was under 10 feet, so it's okay. And we got a vertical at 33 inches, which again is okay. There's just not a lot, I don't think, in this tight end class to get too excited about. But Alan Austin is maybe a guy to think about as a bigger guy that doesn't seem explosive. But once you start to weight adjust some of these numbers, it looks pretty good, especially in the three cone. Offensive line. So I put all the offensive linemen into one bucket because we don't know where these guys are going to go. Unfortunately, three cone and shuttle are some of the most important drills here. And we just don't have that enough in the, uh, of these guys, actual times. Um, We have it for a decent amount of guys, but we don't have it for a lot of guys. So about half of the mm, 40% of the guys who participated here, I did not have those scores for. So we do not have answers as far as their percentile projections for war and for the draft, but hopefully we'll get those when these pro days start coming around. Right at the top, Zion Johnson, and he's there's been some articles have been written about him recently. He was our top guy here, uh, and why is that the case? Well, it's pretty strong. Thirty two bench reps, which actually matters a little bit more than you might think here. His three cone at three seven eight is really good. Um, let me just plug in the numbers here. What you would have expected for someone of his size, and again. Zion Johnson was 312 pounds, so he's a big boy here. Um, What you would have expected for his weight, you would have expected it to be 779, and he ran a 738. So he ran uh, about four-tenths of a second faster than you would have expected. His broad jump at 112 inches was about eight inches longer than you would have expected. His shuttle at 446 was about a quarter of a second better than you would have expected. His 40 and his 10 were also slightly better, but again, we don't care about those ones nearly as much as we care about the the, the agility drills. So he killed those, and that's why he's up there. Another guy who killed the three cone, but not the shuttle as much, is uh, Trevor Penning. He comes in second here for the war percentile score. Even bigger, 325 pounds, a 725 on the three cone here. So at 725, at 325 pounds, he was he was about two-thirds of a second faster than you would have expected on that. So a really good number for him there. Uh, the, some of the bigger names here, Iki Kwanu, he was about 50th percentile in war, but 80th in draft. So people are going to like his score because he ran a sub 540 here. His agility, though, 782 and on the three cone, not so hot. So not great there. And who else do we have here? Charles Cross is another one who's not popping nearly as much in my war projection, only 40th percentile, but he's up above the 80th percentile in draft projection because of the 495 that he ran in the 40. So I'm fading the 40 here quite a bit versus some of the other stuff. And Cross here, a 788 in the three cone, not so hot. But again, you can go through the rest of these here because I have them all grouped into one grouping here for offensive alignment. It's a pretty long and extensive list of guys to go through. 
All right, before we get over to the defensive positions, let's talk DraftKings. Hoops fans, the latest offer from DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting part of the NBA, is too good to pass up. I'm talking between the legs, 360 windmill good. New customers can bet just $1 on any team and get $150 in free bets if they win. It's that simple. If the sportsbook isn't available in your state yet, you can still take your shot at a big payday. Everyone can play for huge cash prizes with DraftKings Daily Fantasy Basketball Contest. DraftKings is giving all new customers a free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes with their first deposit. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code PFF. Bet just $1 on any NBA team and get $150 in free bets if they win. That's promo code PFF at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. 21 or older, minimum age and location requirements vary by jurisdiction. See DraftKings.com Sportsbook for full list requirements and state-specific responsible gaming resources. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. All right, let me uh, refresh the, the palette there. All right, let's get into defensive position. So this article is not out yet as of Monday night. It will be out on Tuesday, so you will see it. Uh, Interior defender. Let's go start in the middle, start with the big boys. Here, guys are going to be mostly overvalued over what happens in the draft, but weight is more significant here, almost as significant as it is in draft. And I think that's because, as I stated on last week's pod and the previous articles, there is an advantage to having the big boys there plugging up holes, maybe taking a couple different gaps, which frees up the rest of the defense to do more coverage work rather than worrying so much about getting interior pressure, which we found is not nearly as valuable as edge, edge pressure is um, as far as the negative EPA that it can cause when you're having pressure. So Jordan Davis was maybe the star of the combine. He is the 100th percentile for his war projection and the 100th percentile for his draft projection. So in other words, of all the interior defenders that we have in our system for the combine, 500 plus guys, he is he has the top projections coming out of this of anyone. And that is because of his 478, mostly because of his 47840 and the, the size, 341. So if you if you size adjust that 40, again, best 40 of any interior defender. If you expand the category beyond just interior defenders to all defensive players, best weight adjusted time we've seen of all defensive players. And if you expand it even further for all player, all non-quarterbacks, and I take quarterbacks out because they actually drag down the adjustment because they're so slow for how big they are generally, the best weight adjusted time for any player that we have in our combine database, 478 at 341 pounds. And a 32 vertical ain't too shabby either. And a 123 broad jump ain't too shabby either at that sort of size. Now, unfortunately, we don't have three cone and shuttle for him and a lot of the other top guys. So I did not put it into the modeling here. Those attributes were somewhat significant. So hopefully we get those from different uh, pro day times. But he's really the guy to hi- uh, highlight here, along with Devontae White, who was who was his teammate, who was also in the ni- was in the 90th percentile for his score here, 477 at 304 pounds. It's ama- That would have been the talk of the town, if not for the 478 at 341 pounds for his teammate. Um, not quite as impressive on the broad and on the vertical, though, for him. The other name uh, sandwiched between them is Travis Jones. Not going to be nearly as high of a, of a draft pick, but a 492 and he's, you know, 325 pounds, not so bad at all there for those numbers. He did run though. He did, he did do the three cone in the shuttle and a seven, three, three and a four, five, eight are pretty solid numbers there. We're going to wait to see if we can get more numbers from a lot of these guys here. You could say maybe 
Haskell Garrett is a little bit of a loser here, 300 pounds for five for over five seconds on his on his runs, and then only 24 inches on the vertical. But uh, I don't think it matters a whole a whole lot here. Um, it's going to be more important to see what these guys are going to do if they ever do some of the agility drills. Moving on to edge, edge defenders. The 40 is probably overvalued for edge defenders, but it is the most important trait. Vertical is next. And we kind of fading some of the bigger guys here at this position. So starting with the potential number one pick, Aiden Hutchinson, he is at middling, I would say, 40th, 50th percentile type of score. Um, taller at 260 pounds doesn't necessarily help or hurt him there. A 474 is okay and not great on the 40-yard dash. Now, we did not have the three cone in the drill because only one, two, three, four, five, only five edge defenders ended up running the three cone. But if we say, if it was in there, I think Hutchinson scores would go up a bit more because it's somewhat important for the position, not hugely important, but somewhat important for the position. And when you look, when you adjust his three cone, for size, for his 260 weight, his expected three cone was 721. And so he came in half a second faster at 673. Pretty studly there. He came in about a quarter of a second faster on his shuttle. So that's really where he stood out. Pretty good vert also um, at... 36 inches, but again, he didn't really get as much credit as he should have for those agility drills. So I would probably bump him up to saying he had more like a 70th percentile type of combine here. Not fantastic, not bad, but I don't think we were expecting necessarily him to blow the doors off versus some of these other players that we've seen here. Uh, Trayvon Walker, the guy Georgia, Georgia's guys are dominating here. He has the second highest score in the 90th percentile. Uh, big four five one at two hundred seventy two pounds is absurd. He also has a ridiculously low uh, three cone at six eight nine at at two hundred seventy two pounds. So he really killed it, killed it, killed it here. Uh, again, there's missing stuff from. If you look at uh, Thibodeau, he is four five eight at. 254 pounds is extremely strong there, but he did not do the explosion or the agility drill. So I don't have a projection in here for him. Hopefully we will get that when he moves on to the pro day stuff. Uh, Off-ball linebacker. Off-ball linebacker has the least amount of effect for war projection for any position. But the 40, the vertical, and the broad jump matter somewhat as far as draft position is concerned. Uh, the potential LB1 here, N'Kobe Dean, didn't run at the combine, but other top prospects, let me see, Devin Lloyd, Christian Harris, uh, Damian Clark, they all look pretty good as far as what they put up uh, here. But again, no one, it just doesn't matter a whole ton here. And I think for some of these guys, what I would like to see is more tweeners that are like in the Jeremiah Usukoromora sort of range, where smaller guys where weight here, it's positively correlated with draft position, but it's negatively correlated with war. And I think that is something where it's probably the biggest differential that you can end up finding here is saying, look for some of these smaller tweeners in that direction. Safeties. We had a disappointing score here from Kyle Hamilton, and I'm surprised because he is, his headline numbers look pretty good. The problem is for safeties, for my numbers here, 
it doesn't like tall safeties that much. Now, that could just be a weird, you know, overfitting type of effect here where some tall guys hadn't performed well in the past. And then with Hamilton coming in at 6'4", over 6'4", it doesn't like it that much. He's, you know, a couple inches taller than every other safety in here. And it doesn't like it that much at only at 220 pounds. He's, again, one of these tweener guys, but in the other direction. I think I like tweeners that are linebackers who kind of look like safeties rather than safeties who kind of look like linebackers uh, the other way around. At least he's got the height of a linebacker, but only 220 pounds. But he moved pretty well, 4.59, not great. It's a little bit under expectation for 220 pounds, but not that bad at all. It's maybe less than a tenth of a second under. Uh, 131 inches in the broad jump, which is, let me see, uh, 10 feet, 11 inches. That will get it done. 38 in the vertical, 6.9 in the shuttle and the three cone. I didn't include the shuttle and the three cone here because not enough guys uh, ran it here. But 6.9 in the three cone will get it done. 4.32 in the, in the shuttle will get it done. But my projections have him down in the, the somewhere between the 10th and 40th percentile, depending upon whether it's war or draft. But I think, again, that could be a bit of overfitting here. Uh, Nick Cross ends up having the highest score here. Speed matters more for safeties than you would think. And his 4-3-4-40 and the 10 matters a lot. The 10-yard split there, one five one, both blazing times at 212 pounds. And you add that to his 37-inch vertical and extremely high score there. Let's move on to the last thing here. But before we do, let's move on to our last ad read, and that is Manscaped. Can I get a round of applause, everyone? Today, I'm excited to announce that Manscaped is launching their ultra-premium collection. Believe it or not, it's for your not-so-private parts. I'm talking about leveled-up hygiene routine with your favorite manly scent. This is an all-in-one skincare and hair care routine. It's trusted and below the waist, now trusted with the rest. Join 4 million men by going to manscaped.com for 20% off and free shipping with code PFF. That's 20% off free shipping with code PFF at manscaped.com. That's 20% off free shipping. The power of attraction is now in a bottle. Thanks to Manscaped. Okay, cornerbacks. This is our second combine super winner here, and that's Tariq Woolen. So Tariq, like Jordan Davis, get the 100th percentile for his war projection and the 100th percentile for his draft position. Coming in at 6'4", 205, 33, over three to three and a half uh, arm length, 4, 2, 6, 40, 42 inch vertical, putting all that in there. Um, and a one, a sub one five, 10 yard split, also extremely important. The most important attributes are the 10, the 40 and the vertical here. He just nailed all those things there, but he's also going to be, rising very quickly, even more quickly, probably in the draft. So you might think about not fading him a little bit here, but just be aware that he's probably still going to be overvalued based upon what happened here. Uh, let me see. Zion McCollum comes in second from Sam Houston. So it's a little bit of a different, smaller school there. 4-3-3 three, three at 199 pounds. Also, a sub 6-5 on the three cone, which is pretty intense there. Uh, he looks really good. You can check out the rest of the different prospects here. There's not a whole lot of guys to highlight. If I'm going to pick out one guy where his war projection went better than his draft projection, uh, I guess Chase Lucas looks like the one guy here from Arizona State. He had 
a 448, but he's only at 180 pounds. So I think that he might be faded somewhat here in the draft, but he ends up looking pretty good. A lot of guys missing stuff here. We have a lot of guys who just ran the 40 and then also you have your 40s, you have your 10-yard splits, but you don't have the explosion drills and the agility drills. So I kept the guys in there who didn't have the agility drills, but not the ones who didn't have the explosion drills. So hopefully we can get that for a bunch of different names that are on this list and kind of build out the rest of the cornerback group for what we're going to see there. So we got free agency that is kicking into play here. What I think I'm going to do is I think I'm going to hit more of the free agent stuff, maybe in a pod later this week once we figure out what's happening. We've seen a franchise tag for uh, Njoku here. We've seen a franchise tag for a few other players that are the first ones that are coming out. I think we're going to hear more of that over the next two days. So once those franchise tags come in, I'm going to come back at you later this week to talk about that to preview some of the free agency class, which is maybe a little bit weak, especially near the top or at least old near the top, which can make things interesting. And then go into some of the methodology of how I'm going to look at how teams are improving based upon free agency with a little hint in if I have major changes in my modeling for running backs and for wide receivers, uh, rookies in fantasy going into the next season. But until then, everybody, you know, rate and review the pod. Go ahead and let me know what you think on Twitter at Kevin Cole PFF. Otherwise, I'll be talking at you guys next week.